Hi there, and thanks for joining us on this week's podcast. The reason why your next car might cost more, and it's not what you think. The UCC created Anxiety App that's handy during a global pandemic, and Mama Bear Foods on how lockdown helps develop new products. I'm Jonathan Healy, and this is Red Business. Red Business. Cork's exclusive business podcast. We're going to start this week talking about cars, though it's been a roller coaster for that particular sector, as it has been every sector. But uh, there are challenges on the horizon that really we need to start paying attention to now, and it's not just COVID. Tom Cullen is the Deputy Director General of the Society of Irish Motor Industry, and uh, they represent all of the car dealerships here in Cork and around the country. Tom, how are you? Yeah, very good, Jonathan. Thanks for having me on the show. Uh, Look, we already know that it's been a tricky year. First half, uh, great February, great January, fell off a cliff, and then everybody started buying cars again uh, when it came to July. Uh, But overall, we're going to be down on the year, aren't we? Not many people will say uh, they have a 20 registered car, and uh, many would be delighted not to have 2020 as a permanent reminder on the registration plate. Yeah, you, you you summed it up quite well in in that we did have a good January and February and we started the market off well. But before even getting to that, I suppose you have to look back at where we've come from. And uh, uh, we, we've started in 2016 when the UK decided to leave the European Union. The sterling devalued and as a result, our new car market has been declining for the last four years. and We're, we're 43% back from where we should be. And, and that was at sustainable levels in 2016. So coming into this year, yes, January and February were very good. We then went into the lockdown. Um, obviously, the business went off a cliff um, and a very, very worrying time because, you know, as you know, we, we operate in high value goods. We had m- tens of millions of euros worth of stock uh, in the garages. Every week they were in lockdown, they depreciated in value. And the fear was that when we opened up, it was going to be a bit of a fire sale. But it didn't happen you know, when, when we did open. Um, people had a lot of appreciation for their car and as a result people who maybe were lucky enough to maintain their jobs save some money on lockdown staycated this year and looked at their 10-year-old car or their six-year-old car and said look now's the time to move up a few years and we have the opportunity and they did and so since we've opened we've been very busy but as Mm -hmm. you also mentioned seismic challenges coming ahead of us and uh, yeah yeah really challenging time for our industry. Yeah, we're going to come to them in a minute. There was that pent-up demand out there uh, for the sector. Did that surprise you in many ways? Because the dire prediction would have been that, right, this is it, when we reopen. I remember one month, the biggest selling car in the country uh, was something strange like a Toyota Land Cruiser because the army bought a load of them and that was the only one that was shifted. Uh, Like, there, there was a sense within the industry that this is going to be game over for a number of dealerships. Did that happen? It didn't. It was very scary for the industry, as I said. Tens of millions of euros worth of used stock, new car market on the floor. And you've got to realize all these new cars had arrived into Ireland. They're not going back to Germany, France and Italy and other countries. They're, they they were here. So that and they have to be moved. So uh, opening up on the 18th of May was, was hugely important for us. We opened up early and we got an opportunity to move stock on. The, also, the, the government supports in terms of tax warehousing and the, and the, and the payment schemes, they meant that the garages could trade without the fear that they were going to run out of cash. Um, and with that confidence, the business was busy. People started to come in and service their cars. They were fearful in lockdown that you know they did, the car wouldn't work if they need to go to the shops, the pharmacy, the hospital. So a lot of people took a new, newfound value 
in their in their vehicle. And uh, even now, people are servicing their vehicles and they're making sure that they're 100 percent mm. right for fear that they, be, they might need them in, in a lockdown again. Yeah, well, if that does happen, I mean, what we're, we're level three as we're recording this um, and just having entered level three, but we might get to level five uh, if things don't go right. What do we say uh, to customers right now? Are garages going to stay open? Will they be deemed an essential service for servicing and so on? Yeah, well, in the in the initial lockdown back in March, uh, if anybody had a, the, the garages were closed in their entirety, but if anybody had a problem with a the vehicle, they were allowed to go in and get that vehicle fixed or serviced because the fleet had to keep moving. That's the most important thing it's it's slightly different now but if for example the schools would go back uh, and we were in stage five of lockdown there would still be movement and activity and the the vehicle fleet would need to be serviced and repaired and people would need to replace vehicles so there would be there'd be certainly an argument for servicing and repairs to stay open and a good argument for sales to remain open as well i think in in level four that that would happen anyway uh, because you know it just shows how important the fleet is to people Absolutely. Uh, we're looking, of course, to various other challenges that are coming. Um, we have to mention Brexit. Uh, Brexit might be a good thing, though, because that might stop the influx of cars from the UK that were having a negative impact on the domestic market. We were becoming a bit of a dumping ground for Britain's dirty diesels, uh, and that wasn't necessarily a good thing. Yeah, I suppose we never have a problem as an industry with used imports. It was just the disproportionate level of used imports that happened as a result since 2016 and a strict and a strict devaluation in sterling. So that meant that we had a huge influx of used imports and predominantly a lot of these were six to nine years of age. As you said correctly, Jonathan, they were older diesel engines. And the key here was to make sure that we didn't pollute our fleet and cause a problem for ourselves. On the top of that, these vehicles were also affecting the residual values of vehicles in Ireland, which meant people couldn't afford the cost to change up to newer vehicles and uh, and that's that's sort of created a seismic or a systemic industry issue for us going forward so yes it would be there would be two sides to this one it would be good to see a reduction in the level of used imports but the nev- negativity for the irish economy would mean that certain people who would have bought cars wouldn't buy cars now because they'd be affected by losing our closest mm. trading partner um, we're also worried, and I didn't realise we were worried, but we're also worried about something called WLTP. Um, I, I don't like acronyms I don't understand, particularly <laughs> when they might have an impact on, on my pocket. You're what right. is WLTP, Tom? Oh, well, most people won't know, but it, it is a new system of testing for, for motor vehicles. Um, the old system has been replaced in Europe and they have a new system called WLTP. Um, the big thing here, Jonathan, is that if you go back to 2008 and uh, we had a, a major change to the motor taxation system for registration tax where we just where the government decided that and and rightfully so that we would move to carbon taxes and uh, and that was a good move but what it did was almost overnight diesel vehicles became the the, the vehicle to purchase our petrol vehicles uh, became the vehicles not to purchase and uh, and as a result um, the market changed dramatically overnight and it was too much too soon with the backdrop of a global recession and it affected 10,000 jobs were lost in our industry as a result of both creating a perfect storm we're about to enter the first of january of next year and there's a bit of a deja vu all over again situation we have a major taxation change that's going to happen to vehicle registration tax in january it must happen as a result of this wltp and the fear is is that you know seismic changes to the industry and the way vehicles are taxed will dramatically increase the price of new vehicles negatively affect people's confidence they won't buy cars they'll stay in older cars Uh, it'll affect the environmental effects of our 
our fleet. And it'll also have significant issues for our industry, which is already in decline, as I said, for the last four years in new cars. This will create more decline. And and, uh, Mm. unfortunately, jobs will be lost. I'm going to be a devil's advocate here and say, well, didn't the industry bring this upon itself by not registering emissions correctly? Um, And as a result, there was a confidence issue that needed correction. So therefore, the responsibility, much and all as it is painful, has to fall on the manufacturers, not necessarily the dealerships you represent, but the manufacturers of those cars. Yeah, I I think it it, it is what it is. There was was a... a, The only reason the WLTP has been introduced is because of what happened in the industry at a global level where there was cheating on emissions. So, you know, we put our hands up and say that that absolutely happened. The difficulty here is that for the Irish industry, we don't manufacture here, and that's not shirking responsibility, but we employ 40,000 people in cities, towns, and villages all over this country. And as a result of, you know, people who earn significant amount of money at the higher echelons of these businesses at a global level, it has affected what's happening here on the ground in this country, and it will affect jobs locally. Um, uh, and it's no fault of those people that that has happened, but it is what it is. So, But I think anything that happens in, in taxation in January must benefit the state as well, because if you take it that there's €10,000 of, of taxes that are in every new car compared to about €3,500 of taxes that are in a used import, mm. it benefits the state as well to, to to create a cleaner, greener fleet, a newer fleet, because we're, in, we're between 9 and 10 years of age in our fleet now, and we're getting older. So if we want to reach our CO2 emissions, improve our environmental but we need a newer fleet. Okay. Do you, do you think that this is something that's going to be addressed in the budget? Because uh, that is happening next week from when we're speaking. Is it is it something that uh, you are expecting to hear from government on or is it one of these things that next year when people are trying to buy their cars, they're going to see an extra few bob in the cost as a direct result? I think there'll be a mix of what will happen in the budget. I think, you know, the Minister and the Minister for Finance, Pascal Donoghue and Michael McGrath have both stated that this this budget will be about protecting jobs and i mentioned 2008 we went back then we the first thing garages do when there's when there's a, when big issues affect the industry like a budget is they stop they stop taking on apprentices and they stop training staff and then when you come out of recession you miss out on all that knowledge base that you had and all those people that you should have employed and brought on as technicians we need to protect jobs that's what the narrative is. that's what the government are saying that they're going to do and in order to do that they need to make wise decisions about vehicle registration tax ensure that people don't have an increase in the price of their vehicle and if they want to stimulate the market you reduce vrt and and promote the sale of new vehicles producing a newer cleaner fleet okay we'll leave it there tom cullen uh, director deputy director general of the society of the irish motor industry thanks very much for joining us tom thanks jonathan red business all that's best about business in cork Around 18 months ago, we spoke with an up-and-coming company in the food service space. And it was a company that had products in supermarkets and were looking to do great things. And most importantly, it tasted really good. Um, Now, now is the time we want to catch up with that company again to see how they've been dealing with the last couple of months. Loretta Kennedy, CEO of Mama Bear Foods, how are you? I'm good, thanks, Jonathan. How are you? I'm okay, thank you. Uh, it's obviously a, a bit of a roller coaster, uh, and we're we're on the way up again at the moment, uh, which means everybody's plans have been thrown sideways. How has it affected you, and how you have been running your company over the last few months? 
Um, well, yeah, for sure. I mean, we, we live in interesting times for, for definite. Um, I suppose it's it's been a bit like a tale of two halves for us here at Mama Bear Foods. Um, interestingly, we saw a, a big spike in sales at um, the start of COVID. So everybody was working from home, cooking from scratch. Um, people went out, they, they bought our, our ketchup, our, our healthy tomato ketchup. Um, I think people were more conscious of, you know, the, the products that they were buying. Um, a lot of the time they were looking for products that are made with natural ingredients, you know, recyclable packaging. They were keen to buy Irish and to support Irish companies. So we actually saw an increase in our sales at the start of COVID. And then that led into barbecue season where everybody was at home barbecuing, cooking. We couldn't go anywhere. Um, so it was on the one hand, it was great. You know, our, we have a loyal customer base and they continue to go out to support our product um, during COVID. And um, we're very, very grateful for that. I suppose, however, the other side, like many businesses, um, some of our plans were put on hold, um, but we'll be starting up again next year um, with things like our export and with our food service listings. Um, everything is lined up. The contracts are there. We just need to get ready to launch again um, with fresh energy, which which we're on track to do for the start of next year. And look, um, that that's important because, uh, yeah. you know, you do get a kick, but at the same time you were busy because lots of people were buying the sauce, which is the whole point of it. Did you use the downtime? Because I know the last day you were in with me, you were telling me that your kids were guinea pigs and everything you do <laughs> passed through them. So with the kids at home, was there a lot more tasting? Oh, uh, listen, it was it was actually great. I mean, my company, so Mama Bear Food, started at my kitchen table, you know, about two and a half years ago with my kids around me. Um, and we had them back at home and um, I had full access to my panel of taste testers. So that was <laughs> that was really great. They didn't have a say in the matter. They were there 24-7, so they had to work, you know. Um, I suppose we were really listening to our customers as well. It was a good opportunity to be able to really pay attention to what people were telling us. They were telling us that they were looking for, um, you know, new flavors, really interested in new flavors. They were looking for pasta sauces. Um, People have been asking us for ages to make pasta sauces. So we were actually able to get cracking on that, which was really, really good. We were able to use the time Mm. really creatively. Um, And as you said, using the the, um, expert panel of uh, taste testers that I had available. Come here, everyone else was making banana bread. You might as well make pasta sauce, given (laughs) that you have that particular skill set. You mentioned that you had to put your export plans on hold. Um, Where were you looking to send Mama Bear Foods? So we had um, we had listings lined up in the UAE and in Singapore and the UK. So that was really really exciting. Um, but um, we hadn't started, so we've we've all the groundwork done. We've nothing lost, um, and we will be able to get going on that again um, early next year, probably by February of next year. So um, yeah, a lot of lot of energy going into that. But it's all the work is all done, so it's it it will happen again next year. Um, this year really it's been about concentrating on the domestic market. Market, you know, building out our brand really. Um, I mean, we launched in Avoca uh, recently as well. Lots of new independent stores. So that's been really good. The export will happen, but um, it was a good opportunity to really kind of concentrate on our domestic markets, really. I mean, this was a big shift for you, Loretta, when you went into this. Uh, it, it wasn't kind of where you started your career, let's put it that way, but it's where you ended up. Um, mm. As a business person, how much have you learned during this crisis because there you were best laid plans and all that yeah. uh, and you had to change course I mean what's the biggest thing you learned from that I suppose I mean it's one of those things isn't it you know they say the only constant in life is change and 
change will happen. Change will, will it, it will always happen. I come from a family of entrepreneurs. There are five of us and out of the five of us, four of us have gone down this route. So I think, you know, to be able to to hear other people's stories and to see how people are able to to pivot, to see how people um, can be resilient and, you know, you know, just to change the mindset from, yeah, this is really, really difficult, but it's a challenge and it's a challenge and we can do something about it. We can use the time in a different way. We can, you know, um, look at what's the next thing that I can do to really keep moving forward all the time. So I suppose that was the big thing for me Mm. at the time was what's the one thing I can do every day to really keep going with my business and it turned out it was going back to basics starting back at the kitchen table and doing what I started out doing which was developing recipes. And of course you meant realising that there was help out there as well and you've worked with the local enterprise office as well haven't you because they, they've been I, yeah. very important in, in keeping the head in your shoulders where it needs Absolutely. to be. Because it's not all just you know fluffing about it in the kitchen with with recipes and things um yes i went to my local enterprise office um at the very start of my business um, when it was still an idea and it was my sister who actually has six children and two food businesses who put me onto them she lives in galway um so they were my first port of call just to even sound out the idea of my business I got a lot of support from them, a lot of mentoring from them. Um, I did a start your own food business course, which was really great because I don't come from a food, uh, uh, I don't come from a business background. My background is social psychology, counselling. Um, I've worked in the charity sector for most of my life. Yeah, not a lot of, not, not a lot of ketchup there now, to be fair, based on my experience. The ketchup is new to that. <laughs> Ketchup is new to that. Um, But I've always cooked, you know, and I think when I had my children, I mean, that's why I started my business. I really went back to basics, doing a lot of cooking from scratch. It would have been what I would have grown up with. My my family, you know, my father fished. We always had fresh food, grew our own veg. My mother baked daily. Um, I think it's interesting. Myself and my sister have both gone into food businesses, um, you know, from having that background as well, I think, um, you know, I started Mama Bear Foods really as a as a way to provide um, to to make a condiment that I knew that my children really wanted and that I was buying all the time. So from starting from scratch, I then started working with um, Chagask as well which was really, really helpful. It's one thing to be doing, you know, 50 bottles in your kitchen. It's a whole other thing to (laughs) be doing five pallets for, you know, a a national retailer. Um, And, you know, ratios change. There's a bit of science in it, I discovered. And that's where, you know, the food technologists come in and Chagas were also great help to me as well as the Leo. Um, in ensuring that everything went smoothly and yeah that there was well I have to, to say it, it it sounds like you've been on one heck of a journey uh, you were about to go in a very different direction by sending it abroad at all the new products yes. but guess what you've had the benefit of time that when that does happen you'll have uh, you'll have had a little bit more to to prepare for that when it does happen and I've no doubt that it will I get a little kick out of seeing Mama Bear in Super yeah. Value which is where I see your products so Loretta it has been an absolute pleasure thank you so much for talking to us again and And uh, the best of luck to you and your expert tasting panel. (laughs) Thanks so much for having me on, Jonathan. Thank you. The only show in town for Cork Business, Red Business. So anxiety has become a very real thing uh, with COVID-19. People who would not necessarily have suffered from it before will be 
perfectly understood if they have it now because we've been on one heck of a roller coaster. So how can technology help? Well, the good news is that it can and my next guest is working on an anti-anxiety app that really helps get a clearer picture of what might be going on. Connor Organ is the founder of Cove Health Limited. Uh, he's part of the Ignite at UCC programme this year. Connor, how are you? I'm good, thanks, Jonathan. How are you? I'm all right, uh, like everybody else, just getting through. Um, and I think that if there was ever a time that you needed to develop an app like this, then that time is now. Tell us a little bit about what Cove does. Uh, so what Cove does is it's decreasing unnecessary anxiety using reflective journaling and personalised actionable suggestions and improvements. Uh, it's aimed towards uh, young people, so people between early te- late teens uh, and early 20s. And uh, so it uses uh, data from... Apple Health and Google Fit collects that and gives you personalised suggested improvements to improve your lifestyle long term. Okay, so therefore I'm outside the catchment area. I'll, I'll use more traditional methods. But for the younger people who are more in tune with technology, this is probably going to work. So w- what does the Apple Watch and the phone, what do they take in that can help the app? Uh, so they can take in uh, stuff like your sleep, which is very important, uh, your exercise, so how many steps you've taken, which helps both your head and your body. Uh, and it can also take in, uh, if you're using something like Headspace or Calm, it can take in your actual meditation as well. So it takes in a lot of the other app- apps that your phone and your watch would be using and kind of correlates yes. it. Does it give you suggestions on what you should be doing? It gives you suggestions like, because uh, a lot of, of things is sleep. People don't realize that sleep is plays a major part in both uh, your physical health and your mental health. Uh, if you're not getting enough sleep, uh, like physicians think that it's as important as your diet for professional athlete is the sleep aspect of it. So it suggests stuff like uh, go to bed half an hour earlier than you would normally do. Uh, try and get this many hours sleep. Try and take so and so steps, and it's a gradual build up personalized to you. So it's not there's a, a double th- there's a double edged sword though with using your phone because the phone is your friend and your enemy and we all know that it is quite addictive. Um, does yeah. it tell you if you're on your phone too much? Uh, the actual apps, the iPhones actually do that at the moment. It doesn't yet, but that could be an aspect to move on in future. Yeah, I I just dismiss it when my iPhone tells me how much I've been looking at it during the week. It's 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 like a it's like a cry for help from my phone, and I turn it off every single time. Um, your your timing, as I mentioned at the start, is good. Um, were you developing this anyway, regardless of COVID? Uh, yes. Yeah, so it's actually started in 2018, uh, the end of 2018. Uh, so the idea came from uh, when I was in my final year of college. I did product design in UL. Uh, I got diagnosed with generalized anxiety disorder. And when I was looking through, trying to find a technology aspect, something to help technology-wise, because I've been coding since I was 13, it's always been part of my life as technology, uh, I couldn't find stuff. It was only stuff like Headspace, which I could never do repeatedly. And it uh, only helped for an hour or two rather than long-term. So then I started working on this, and then I was accepted into the Ignite program in UCC, and it's only taken off from there. Okay, so you, you had generalised anxiety, which is probably yep. the most common type of anxiety. There's yes. people right now who, who will instantly identify with that and there's people who will be suffering from it but haven't given it a name yet. You might tell us what that is and how that helps you programme the app. Uh, so generalised anxiety disorder is... Uh, so everyone suffers from anxiety. It's a normal part of life. But generalised anxiety disorder is where you're uh, anxious about all the time about stuff that you shouldn't be anxious about at all. So 
simply getting up, even going to the shops, you'll be anxious about it, that kind of thing, is generalized anxiety disorder. Uh, so it helped program the app because I knew what was working for me. So it was first-hand experience to showing it into the app. Now you're you're young, um, and I hope you don't mind me saying that because obviously you're you're out of university, but uh, yeah. you you haven't got many miles on the clock yet in terms of life experience. Um, a lot of your generation will be criticised, uh, and I'm not saying this is right, uh, but yeah. you know, ah, sure, sure, they know nothing. They don't. Everything stresses them out. I mean, there is a tendency to dismiss anxiety uh, amongst younger people, um, by older people. It's not very helpful. Sure, it's not. No, it's not at all. Uh, young people do have their own struggles in life. Uh, it's not about one person's struggles might be different to another. So it's not a whole group. Uh, it's like, and especially in the climate now, gone through as uh, someone born in the mid nineties, uh, gone through two global recessions now and a global pandemic. Uh, you'd be right to be anxious. <laughs> yeah, you've had a fair few. That's a that's those are miles on the clock, uh, despite yeah. what people might say. And and not to mention the crowd coming up behind you've just gone through the leaving cert debacle. Um, you you have this product. Is it is it in market already? Is it being developed? Or, or how can people find out more about it, Connor? Uh, so you can get it on the the iPhone store, the uh, App Store at the moment. Uh, there'll be a new version coming out next month, or you can find out more by going to www. Getcove. So that's g e t c o m h dot com. Okay, so it's like Cove, but with an M instead of a B. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And of course, you you and you're too modest to say this, but you are up for an award um, as part of the Ignite Awards for uh, this part of uh, your class. Um, And I think they're being announced next week, aren't they? Yep, next Thursday, the 15th. You can register uh, online by going to Ignite. Uh, .ucc.ie it, it, yeah, Ignite.ucc.ie that's it I, I'm announcing the winner but I don't know whether you've won or not yet so it's a surprise to me as much as it is to you but we wish you the best of luck Connor Organ founder of much. Cove Health uh, Get Cove Get C-O-M-H dot com is the website address Connor yeah, best of luck exactly. next Thursday we'll talk to you again Thank you Jonathan have a great day my thanks, as always, to all of my guests. Don't forget, every episode is up on redextra.ie. Myra Hayes-Goff was the producer, and we'll catch you on the next one. Red Business, Cork's exclusive business podcast.